Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress. Today, I have the honor to welcome Kristen, the pure definition of a businesswoman who juggles a busy job, a side activity, and a rich personal life with two young kids. On top of being the CFO of an investment company, overseeing the firm's global operation from New York to London and Mumbai, she is a keen advocate of mental health and about to launch an app for lactation support dedicated to women in postpartum. There are lots of interesting things happening in her world, and I'm very impressed by how she manages to fit it all in. There are people sometimes that seem to thrive and have it all. Let's see if Kristen views herself that way. So hi, Kristen, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, great, great. I'm so happy to have you on this podcast, so thank you so much for your time. I'm very interested in getting your experience on three subjects today. Money, of course, being the head of finance, but also organization-wise, as you seem to be always available, even with your crazy rhythm, and investments as you invest in startup. So yeah, really keen. Before we start, can you tell us a bit about how your finance interest started and grew? Yeah, sure. So I was heavily influenced by my mother who ran my father's business. And she started having conversations with me about money from a very early age, probably earlier than most, even like starting at six years old. I had a pretty good concept of what homes cost and finances. And she always wanted me to get a job. And I started working from the age of 13 years old. So that had a huge impact on me because I learned that working hard for something and having my own money gave me a sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important when you teach kids, you know, that value of working hard for something. But starting to work at 13 years old really gave me a unique perspective on the types of jobs that were available or the things that you would be doing on a daily basis. So I think I quickly took advantage of learning the different types of skills that were needed or areas that I didn't like. So I think that had a really big impact on me as a kid. So can you tell us briefly what you do for a living and how you managed to get there? Sure. So I started an investment bank with a gentleman by the name of Tim Oppler in 2008. I was going on 14 years in January. I left two of the bigger banks in healthcare because I kind of wanted to move away from finance. I didn't like being 
just like a number at those banks where I, I didn't feel like I was making an impact. And I had a very entrepreneurial spirit. I actually was going back to school to become a hairdresser because I wanted to make my own hair care products. But at the time I was working at another investment bank and I had the chance to meet him. And he told me he was starting up this investment bank and to come over as his assistant. And on the second day of my job, I was quickly given big opportunity to control his money and to take over in IT and HR. And I was really excited about that. I had an idea of how investment banks ran and operated. And so I created my own network of people and I just tackled each thing, you know, one day at a time. And I learned my lessons throughout all those years. But like I said, I think getting back to being younger, having all those odd jobs and figuring things out really taught me that not to be afraid of anything and to just jump right in and not to be afraid of making mistakes. Mm -hmm. So taking a bit of perspective, do you think it was all about hard work, a bit of luck or just daring to create opportunities, as you said? (laughs) I think it's a little bit of everything. I don't think I was definitely given a big opportunity and I knew that. And I think I was very lucky and fortunate to meet somebody who saw my potential. Mm -hmm. I think the world limits people by looking at a resume and it almost tries to define you. At the time, I think I was 22 going on 23 when I started this job. Um, I was a little lost. I mean, I knew that I wanted to run my own business. And I looked at this as a way of no risk. Like I get to run this person's business. I can make mistakes. Of course, I'm going to be careful with it. So yeah, I think it's a little bit of luck, a lot of hard work. Definitely, it's not an opportunity for everyone. But I knew that I didn't need someone over my shoulder micromanaging me or giving me direction. He gave me a lot of freedom to implement things for his company so long as I ran things by him and we, you know, communicated really well during that time so I think it's a little bit of everything cool yeah that's like a a dream (laughs) so what are the main skills now that you need for your job so I have to say right now it's a lot about people and I'm realizing this more and more now that the people that work with me and I never say for me because I really want to feel like you know, we're a team and we're all trying to get to the same place and the same goal. It's really about relationships and communication. You know, obviously I'm in charge of the finances and forecasting, budgeting, and, you know, it all goes back to communication and being very transparent and communicating with the right people and getting everyone to work well together. And I think that's what's made our company so successful I totally agree. Like soft skills are so important and amazing to have. So let's go to your personal finances. So you seem to be pretty organized, super disciplined, very responsible. So are you the same regarding your personal finance? I like to think so. It definitely throws a wrench into it because they like a lot of different activities. But whenever I feel like things are getting out of control, I always bring it right back to sitting down with my husband and going over our budget. And together, we are constantly looking in the bank account 
analyzing what we've spent money on, where we need to dial back and making all those decisions together. So yeah, I guess I'm probably pretty organized and disciplined in my personal life as well. That's cool. <laughs> Don't change your mentality. That's good. So you got married actually six years ago, but before the wedding, you actually put the money subject on the table. So this is a discussion a lot of people want to avoid because either they're not at ease or they don't really want to open up on that subject. So what kind of themes did you speak about and how did it go for you? So I was very blunt about this conversation because it was almost a test to see how my future husband would react because I think it's very telling that if he was defensive or or was reacted very emotionally or a certain way that he would likely react that way to other subjects. And money to me is the most important subject in a marriage. So I was just blunt. I asked him how much debt he had and what I was marrying into and, <laughs> you know, how he looks at his money. And he, he was definitely, he was oh, Mr. Bachelor forever. And he was spending his money, however, and he, you know, had credit card debt and, I was glad that he reacted the way he did and he was open. And we immediately, after we got married, had a combined bank account, which I think is really, really important. Actually, that he was pushing for that. And I think you have to have those conversations because it can quickly get very ugly if you marry someone that and you have no idea what their spending habits are. Mm -hmm. So would you have any tips on how to get that conversation? Really? blunt and open and honest. And I always start with the debt question, like, you know, what's your credit card look like? And <laughs> how do you see us in the future? I hate having debt and I hate having credit cards. I think they're great for things like if you want to do a big purchase and you want to pay it off. But we had that conversation. I said, you know, I don't want to be that family that puts a really expensive vacation on a credit card and thinks about it later. Because some people do think that way. They think, okay, this is our treat. We're going to put something really expensive on a card. I never believe in spending money that you don't have. So anything that we do, we make sure that we can pay it. And it's not something that just sits on our credit card for a really long time. Yeah, so a bit of planning and uh, being realistic with what you have and what you can spend money on. That, that's pretty cool. So have you managed to save intensively to either be able to retire early or to change your path if ever you wanted? Or even though you're pretty successful, but you live in New York City and with two kids, it's too expensive for that. So I'm really good at saving. So I stash money away in an account and I don't invest things immediately. I'm privy to a lot of private investments through the investment bank that I work with. And so I tend to roll the dice and invest in those companies that are in the very, very early stages. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I've been saving and saving for my real estate plans because I think the next step, I'd really like to own some homes. Again, this is something I learned from my mother. Right now, she works like a nice little office job from eight to two because she needs health insurance, but she owns a lot of real estate and collects rental income. And she's 74 now. And my father passed away seven years. So this has provided a tremendous amount of stability for her. Mm -hmm. So that's where my eyes are, saving cash and being able to invest in real estate. Mm -hmm. But you already have your own flat, right? The one you live in? Yes, I do. 
We actually live in New Jersey. Although we both work in New York City, the pandemic has changed the world quite a bit. So we're working from home. So we do have a home in the suburbs. That's cool. So can you tell us a bit more like about your investment in startups? So because it's um, a world we don't necessarily have access, how do you learn about the opportunities? What do you look at to see if it's worth your money? And how many participation do you have and what kind of amounts do you put in it? So this goes back to, I'm really, really lucky to be surrounded by a very intelligent group of human beings at this investment bank that I work for. They're the founder that I started Troy Partners with. He is now working on a lot of biotech startups. And given the fact of our relationship and working with him for so long, I trust in what he's doing and I believe in what he's doing. So I'm very fortunately given the opportunity to get in on these investments early on. And I kind of take his temperature and I don't throw a ton of money at them. And I have to believe in the concept of, in the science, which can be hard for me because I don't have a scientific background. So I usually throw about $10,000 into the companies at the early stages. And then if they continue Some of them are continuing to do really well. And then I get, you know, the right to, you know, invest more. I continue to invest. And then it's always a conversation with my husband, like, you know, what do you think? Because, you know, they could blow up. Anything can blow up. So for me, it's a lot of risk. But I would say like two out of 10 things that I've invested in have hit really big. So you never know when it's that early. That's really good because I think, yeah, like the normal percentage is like 10%. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I was talking to my boss yesterday about this and he said, you know, if he's looking back at everything that he's accomplished in the last 14 years and he said, you know, it's so unfair that the rich just keep getting richer. So he creates all these opportunities and just continues to grow and make more money and be able to invest in these things. And he's in a much different financial position than I am in. But I do feel fortunate that I'm exposed to these opportunities because I feel like the average person is just looking at, okay, what's my 401k? And, you know, what can I do in the stock market, like the traditional investing? And so I I feel very fortunate that I can expand my investments into biotech and other areas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really good point because normally the more money you have, the more at ease you are with losing a bit or taking some risk because that money does not represent like a big chunk of your all your assets. So again, yeah, being more rich, you can take more risk and hence have more performance. So let's go to your side activity. You're about to launch an app to help women with mental health issues in the postpartum and to support them with lactation. So why do you have this idea? Well, I am the mother of two children. I have two boys that are five and four. And I found with each birth and child, because none of them are the same, that I really struggled. And there's very limited resources for women in postpartum. I think it's a very underserved time period and the most fragile time period of a woman's life. And, you know, I thought about it. I never really thought about how to solve the problem. I just kept focusing on what the problem was for the last four years. 
And it was right around last year that I just said, okay, there's with the technology and advances that we have, especially due to COVID and the fact that more people are doing telelactation and virtual visits with mental health providers, I thought this is just the perfect time to launch something like this. And the feedback that I'm getting from women, I started just saying, you know, hey, this is my idea. What do you think? And it's it's such an emotional response from women. You know, I've never given this idea to somebody and I said, oh, that's not going to work. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. So I'm very, very lucky that I am being backed by my boss right now, who obviously I had to pitch this idea to him and is giving me this opportunity to help fund a team that is helping me start, you know, hopefully we'll raise money in a couple of months. We're going to do a soft launch in January. So once we proof of concept, we'll go out and we'll raise money and start hiring and growing hopefully pretty quickly. <laughs> that's that's cool. So what's your business model? Who do you think going to be your clients? How will you get paid? And budgeting being one of your core skills, when do you think or when do you expect to be profitable? Oh, I think it's going to be a couple of years before we're profitable. I'm really trying to change the way care is delivered. And I'm creating a platform that is a subscription-based model. But So you'll pay monthly for a subscription-based, but you'll have access to you know educational videos and groups that will be monitored by either an IBCLC, which is a lactation expert or a mental health expert. And then if you choose to do a visit with a lactation expert or mental health provider, it'll be an additional fee. But we are working with a really great company that will integrate into our app and will file insurance claims on behalf of the patients. So I think it's a big opportunity. Things are changing here in the States. The postpartum period is being recognized more and more. So it's just the perfect time to start changing this care and, and being able to give women access to this online so they don't have to leave their home. So I'm very, very excited. Yeah, and, and you can access it 24-7, I guess. So again, provides you flexibility and help exactly when you actually need it. Absolutely. So 24-7 support, because we all know that babies don't, typically all the issues happen in the middle of the night. But I think it's really important for women to feel like they can go somewhere and be supported. I think asking for help when it comes to our mental health is really hard. And I look back on that time myself, and you don't really have the opportunity to do it with your physician that delivered your baby or the pediatrician, because those are the two physicians that you're likely to see in that time period. We've just, we need to give women more support during this time and make it very approachable. Mm -hmm. 100%. And do you see a difference in the fact that you already have a full-time job, which pays more than your bills. So if you did not have that job, do you think you would see things differently for this side business? Oh, absolutely. Because I'm terrified of taking risks. Like I have to feel like I have that safety net before I could go on to something like this. And there's a very, very good chance that I will no longer be the CFO of the investment bank in a couple of months. But I've had the opportunity to build this new company and not be stressed about where am I going or where will I fall if I don't succeed. So I think it makes it easier, but I also think it gives me more confidence. 
Yeah. And it's quite funny that you said you're not really taking any risk. I mean, you're still taking a lot, but agreed, you have that safety net, but still it's a pretty uh, big challenge. <laughs> so on being organized, because I'm really impressed with you on that subject, you seem to have a really busy schedule, but still manage to find some time. How supportive and implicated is your husband? It's just a team effort. So every morning we wake up and it's like, okay, who's picking up this kid? Who's taking him to this activity? And we're still, you know, I guess trying to navigate this because it's getting more and more difficult. And so we're working through it every day as the kids get older and have more things to do. But I can never do what I'm doing if I didn't have a supportive husband. There's just no way. It would be impossible. And I think that's always the answer. Probably I want to hear that, but I'm 100% convinced that everything is a team effort. You can't do anything by yourself only. You need support in some ways. So getting into practical things like who picks up the kids, for example, from school, and if there's one of them who's sick, who's going to step in, who has more flexibility? It's really 50-50. Unfortunately, they usually want me when they're sick. So that just happens. They want mommy. But I think we're both lucky that we have a lot of flexibility, but that's probably because we're constantly working. So it's like, okay, if we take a couple hours off here and there, we have the flexibility to make it up, you know, at another time. So it's a little bit of both. Sometimes we're dividing and conquering. I tend to pick up my little one because he is more attached to me and my husband picks up my older son. So it really is just the 50-50 teamwork effort. I'm hoping one day that I can get my kids to the point where I can get maybe a babysitter to handle all these things, but they're still very young. And I think they're at school for a really long time. They go to school and then they go to aftercare. So I feel that it's really important to make sure my kids know that I'm making time for them. I feel really bad that there are those aftercare kids. And even though having someone else do all this work for me, would be amazing and make my life a lot easier. I didn't have kids to pawn them off on someone else. And I want to make sure that they know that we're here for them. So I'm trying to stick to that. I'm trying to say I've worked really, really hard the last 14 years. And now that I have a family, it's time to shift things and it's time to, you know, make time for them. And I think it's made me more efficient at work. In fact, my boss says the best employee is a mother because they don't have time for any of the garbage. They just get their work done because they know their time is so valuable. So I definitely think that helps. 100% agreed. And I'm glad that actually your man like realizes it. Because <laughs> yeah, when you know you have like so much time and you need to fit everything in, you're like 100% dedicated. Mm. Exactly. So about your habits, like how many hours of sleep do you get? Do you read? Do you exercise? And do you consider yourself relaxed? I'm working on that. I always get a good night's sleep. I always go to bed around 9.30 or 9 o'clock. I, sometimes I, like, I'll put my kids to bed and then I basically put myself to bed right after. Mm-hmm. I don't read enough. This is something that I want to tackle this year. I tend to fall asleep so easily when I start reading, but I need to do that more. And right now I'm making an hour every single day to exercise. I think it's super important to have that time alone and be outside. 
So it's my way to spend an hour in nature, which I think is really important. We all, everyone has experienced a tremendous amount of stress with COVID. And I think now more than ever, and, you know, especially building this app, I'm realizing that our mental health is so fragile. And if we don't take time to take care of ourselves, we don't perform well at work and we're not performing well for our kids. As far as relaxed, again, I think COVID has a lot to do with my, how should I say, my irritability or my concern for the future for our kids. I talk about this a lot with my husband because I think your kids pick up on your emotional state and I'm trying to make time to meditate. That's another thing on my list with reading to be more relaxed and more present and not worry so much about the future. But I'm getting there. I think all these little things that I do, I think going to sleep early and exercising, those are big keys too. Yeah. So that's basically your advice to avoid burnout, basically. How do you manage to fit everything in? Because it's pretty impressive, like (laughs) sleep early and then do exercise and then have like two jobs and managing so many people? Like what's your tip? Like, is it a question of being surrounded by great people or to trust them in order to delegate or to only focus on the essentials? Yeah, that goes back to why I'm starting to realize even in my own company, it's giving your people the confidence to tackle things, to delegate things to them and they're going to make mistakes and that's okay. And I think a lot of it, I'm not a control person. So I think that kind of works in my favor. So I kind of just roll with the punches, you know, like, I don't think I'm fitting everything in, by the way. I think I wake up every morning with the intention to fit things in, but I don't get mad at myself if I don't get a workout in, or I realize that I'm one person and I'm doing a lot of things. I don't beat myself up when I don't get something to school that the kids need, or I don't get to a project that I said that I would. Every day, we're all just trying to do our best. No, and and I I like as well that mentality, because from outside, you can say, oh my gosh, this woman is amazing. What's wrong with me? I mean, why am I not the same? But actually, the way you see yourself can be like pretty different. So again, it's uh, refreshing. What's your mantra for women who have ambition and really want to put in the efforts? I think my mantra is don't be afraid because I never want to live with regrets. If I didn't try something, you know, what do you have to lose? People are being successful. I mean, it's, it's kind of amazing to see the world and how different it is today. People are on TikTok and they're successful. So if people can put themselves out there and make a living off of TikTok and Instagram, and I don't even know how they do it. I find that to be very inspiring that I think you can do anything if you put your mind to it and you put in the work and never be afraid to ask questions. That is number one thing for me. I see this a lot with people on my team. They get very hung up in wanting to please, you know, whoever they're working for and behind that facade of like, oh, I got this, I got this done, but they never ask questions. So I think it's just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Nothing stupid. Cool. And don't be afraid as well to fail if ever it happens. You just learn along the way. Exactly. Exactly. What, how are you going to learn if you don't make mistakes? Yeah, I like it. 
Cool. Thank you so much, Christian, for this discussion. I really enjoyed it. It uh, gives me a lot of motivation to hear about all you can do and how you juggle with all your projects. So it's great to know that so much can be achieved if you have the confidence, if you surround yourself with great people, and if you have a supportive partner. And I really like the way how you blend basically with things. I, I really appreciate it. So well done, you're a great role model and um, definitely please keep us posted on your app launch. Yeah, all the best in the meantime. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thank you. So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at maricafino.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. Thank you.